You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. Mino Lion Media presents the Safe Conversations with Kevin Waits podcast. Hey, what's up, everybody? It's Kevin Waits again, and I'd like to welcome you to a new episode of Safe Conversations, where we unpack our bags and we talk about everything from race to culture, everything that makes us different with the hope that we can somehow find a way to move forward together. Uh, I always tell people, don't uh, just because it's called safe, don't think it's soft. Don't get it twisted because we have tough conversations that impact us all. I am very, as always, but I'm extremely, I'm overly excited tonight uh, to have on a good friend of mine, uh, someone I call my brother from another mother. Welcome, Paul Butler. Hey, Kevin Waits. It is so good to be on this podcast with you. I'm so proud of the work you've been doing, and I am even more proud to be a part of it today. Yeah, well, that's awesome. Uh, I, you know, I want to dive right in, and, and, and but I want to tell you something, something that maybe I've never, ever told you, and that is when we first met, we met, uh, you were the uh, assistant sheriff at the Horry County Sheriff's Office, and I was the deputy chief of police at the Horry County Police Department. And you you, you called me up one day and you said, hey, let's go to lunch. And we went to lunch and, and you, you, you said, hey, man, I'm here to support you. Anything you need from me, I got you back. I'm here to help you. And I want you to know that that made my transition extremely smooth because I was the guy from the outside. I was that person that the propaganda preceded me getting there, right? This guy's going to be this. He's going to be that. And I really didn't have a go-to person. And then here you come out of nowhere, not treating me as a somebody on the other team, you know, but treat me as an ally, treat me as a friend, treat me as a brother. And so I just want you to know that I will never, ever forget the way you made me feel when we first met. So thank you for that. Thank you for that. Well, you have, you have been exactly who I had hoped you'd be, certainly who I thought you would be, and always who you claim you will be every day of your life. I, I do think that we should do better at reaching out and partnering with people long before the need happens, right? Uh, there was a chance that you might have needed something in the future, and it had been easy to pick up the phone then and say, hey, can I help? But actually, the way you establish a friendship is you get involved before the crisis hits. And I am just so glad our paths crossed and we have been friends every day since that moment. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I know you, but uh, my listening audience doesn't. So if you let's just jump in. If you just start off just by telling us a little bit about yourself, anything you think we need to know, your family, your background, your education. What do we need to know about Paul Butler? Well, uh, it's it's not a, an incredible story, but it is a, a story I'm proud of. I was born and raised right there in Ainer, South Carolina. Uh, my sister lives next door to me. My brother lives across the farm. I mean, my mom and dad raised corn and kids out there forever. Uh, I am certainly proud of, of having been in that same community all of my life. 
I did 27 years of law enforcement right there in Horry County. Started with little Aner PD, but I'm very proud of what I learned there and the people I served there. Went to the Horry County Police Department, did 10 years there, and finished my final 15 years as the Chief Deputy of the Horry County Sheriff's Office uh, right there in Conway, South Carolina. My wife, Cheryl, and I have two daughters uh, and now two sons-in-law. And now they have introduced two little grandbabies that has changed the game, Kevin Waits. I know the feeling. I know the feeling. <laughs> I have a grandson. Uh, he's about a month and a half year old now. And his name is Major. And uh, gosh, man, uh, I don't even know what to say. Uh, he looks like my daddy. He looks like my dad. He just he's just precious. So I, I understand uh, how uh, precious grandchildren are to you. Um, I appreciate your service. I appreciate your service, and uh, and I appreciate the fact that you're you're still serving, and you're serving in a different way. And and so, Paul, you travel the world, right, talking to law enforcement executives and leadership and of 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 companies. I would even say that you have the pulse of the law enforcement industry. And so, as you come in contact with these leaders, what are you telling them when it comes to leading their organizations? Well, I, I'm going to tell you, I, I appreciate you saying that. You're right. I've started a little business traveling and training. I, I thought that it would just be kind of small and local at the time. Uh, but I did 111 events last year uh, across the globe. I mean, I'm blessed. I've spoken already in uh, Argentina this year. Uh, I'm scheduled for Kampala, Uganda uh, in, in July. And I love that the message resonates uh, even though it started right there in Horry County, kind of small and humble beginnings, the message I give resonates with everyone around the globe because it's a message of service. It's a message of selflessness. It's a message of being committed to something other than yourself, the oath one takes at the office, but also committed to the citizens you serve. We are servants in this business. And across the globe, people are kind of struggling to kind of find their foothold in how they lead their communities. But really what I feel like we ought to be doing is partnering better with our communities. Yeah, yeah. And that's amazing that you say that. As you were talking, uh, I, I thought about something that I said to you one time, uh, and, you, and you may laugh when I remind you of this, but I told you that you were the only person that I knew that gave me the feeling of being around Joel Osteen or talking to Joel Osteen. You know what I'm saying? You remember that? You, you, you just got that energy, man. And 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 I knew, I'm telling you, and, and people say it all the time, it's a cliche, but I, I mean it from the bottom of my heart. When I met you, I knew there was something different and special about Paul Butler. You know what I'm saying? I I I knew it. And so I am so happy that that you are you are able to share that. You know what I'm saying? Because Oh man, there's so much going on across, uh, uh, you know, the country and in the world, you know, um, that 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 isn't good. There's a lot of good, but there's a lot of things, and and I think sometimes, Paul, we are servants, all of us, all of us, and I think sometimes we forget that, or we think that, hey, you know what, I'm gonna serve this group, or I'm gonna serve these people, or I'm gonna serve, you know, what I'm saying when 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 we and we forget about humanity, you know, what I'm saying, and we lead, we lead with politics we lead with culture sometimes we lead with religion and i think we mess it up because we 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 don't put humanity at the forefront so i'm i'm so excited for you man i i look forward to you sitting down one day you will laugh 
I look forward to you sitting down one day, me watching whatever news I'm watching and seeing you sitting down having a conversation with the Pope. That's going to happen. <laughs> you heard it first here. You heard it first here. That's going to happen. Well, I appreciate you. I, I do. I, I love the Lord and I love my fellow man. That's everyone. That's the, the commandment he left us is to, to take care of each other and serve each other and feed those sheep. And I promise there, there are people who need a kind word. They need a little inspiration in their lives. They need a little energy in their lives. And if I can bring that, and that's whether it's at a, in an airport lobby or a hotel lobby or a restaurant, well, well, that's my calling in life is to make someone's day just a little better than it was before I walked in the door. Wow, and that is so awesome. And that's who you are. I can, I can, I can say it proudly and shout it loud. That is who you are uh, every time I've had any contact with you. Paul, would you agree that working to make our communities better is a shared responsibility? It, it's more than just a shared responsibility. It's a shared obligation. All right. Right. Uh, it's not something we should feel pressure like I, I probably should do that or should do more of that. Every day of your life, when you wake up, you should be looking for a way to make that happen every day of your life. Yeah. And so that being the case, what do you think is specifically law enforcement's role in the community's role in, in making it all work? What do you think the two roles? Uh, how do we meet in the middle? How do we you know, what I'm saying how do we close the gap to make things better? Well, what I'm telling leaders across the, the world, and, and specifically in our country, is that if, if you are an organization, if you're an agency, if you're a leader who has good community relations, your job is to maintain those re relations, never take them for granted. Mm -hmm. You can't say, well, we, we're pretty strong here, so we're, we're going to go lay our foot off the gas. No, you should be looking to build upon that relationship. Right. So the strongest community relationships should be the foundation for the greatest community relationships. That that should be the example you lift up yeah. for the people who have strayed away from that. You know, uh, 2020, uh, 2020 took a lot of people out of office. They left the job. The new leaders turned over. New ones came into office and some of them inherited some bad situations. Mm -hmm. Well, well, their job isn't to blame that on anyone else. It's to go ahead and recognize that moment, seize it, and then go back and build it yourself. Yeah. It's not something that you should just look at and say, how do I keep doing what everyone else is already doing? It was in bad shape when I got it. Therefore, I'm just going to leave it. you got to find a way to start making new inroads yeah. and, and building relationships that strengthen us for the future. Yeah. You know, relationships are so important, man. Uh, you know, as you talk about relationships, two stories from my life come to mind. Number one, uh, I, I remember being a young deputy working for A Lane Crib in Georgetown County. And, you know, I, I worked a certain community and, and, and that was my zone. And, I, you know, I was very involved in the community and tried to answer complaints and do what the people needed me to do. And, and some people thought I was a little tough, you know what I'm saying? But fair, you know? And so, you know, I remember I always treated everybody with respect. My, you know, my thought process has always been, even if I have to arrest you, you were still somebody's child. I'm not going to treat you any kind of way. I'm not going to talk to you any kind of way. I'm going to treat you with dignity and respect. And so I'm sitting on the side of a road. I'm running radar, running traffic one day. It's raining and I get a domestic call. Right. I get a domestic call and I'm sitting on that right away. And Paul, I, I remember going to spin my car around. What do you think happened? I ended up in the ditch. And you know, you know, in working uh, as, a, as a deputy in a rural area, 
you kind of out there by yourself. You know what I mean? And That's the true. last thing that we want to do is pick up that radio and say, hey, Central, I'm going to need a tow truck. You know what I'm saying? Because you know you're going to get clowned by your colleagues. It's going to be embarrassing. It's a one-vehicle accident. How did you manage to put your car in the ditch? So I'm sitting there, man, and I'm rocking it. Reverse drive. Trying to get it out. And I'm going deeper and deeper. And so out of nowhere, these three kids pop out of the wood line. And they stood there, and they looked at me, and they said, you stuck, huh? <laughs> and I said, what does it look like? Yes, I'm stuck. You know, And just by chance, Two of the gentlemen about a month ago, I had gotten in a foot chase with them and, and I and I and I arrested them. One had a gun and one had some drugs. But Paul, do you know that those guys pushed me out of that ditch? Oh yeah. They pushed me out of the ditch. Didn't even think about it. They say, hey man, hey, we'll get you out. The three of those guys pushed me out. And they didn't have to do that. And if I didn't have a decent relationship with them, if I didn't treat them with dignity and respect in the, in the interaction that we had. I'd been on the radio calling dispatch for a tow truck, you know what I'm saying? But it was because, it, and, and that's how important relationships are. I teach my kids, I'm like, look, you're going to have disagreements with people that you come in contact with in, in your personal lives and as well as your work life, but don't go out of your way. You know what I'm saying? Deal with it as it comes. You know, try to mend relationships. Don't, don't, if you can help it, try not to have any enemies. And, this, and the second story is, is one day my son asked me, he said, okay, I watched you all this time uh, in law enforcement. You finished up as chief. What has been for you your greatest accomplishment? You've And he's talking to me now. You've been to the FBI Academy. You've been to the DEA Academy. You've done this. You, you know. But from you, from your perspective, what has been your greatest accomplishment? And I said, well, for me, it was after uh, the murder of George Floyd. He said, okay. He said, why? I said, because... There was, uh, you know, uh, some peaceful pro protests across the country, but some protests turned ugly. You know what I'm saying? And they and they weren't productive. Uh, and I talked to him about protests and how, you know, we all as citizens have uh, that opportunity, you know, peacefully to to express ourselves. And 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 I said I slept uh, a lot of sleepless nights because I'm wondering, you know, I'm police chief. What am I going to do if all hell breaks loose? You know what I'm saying? What am I going to do? Um, I knew a couple of marches were coming up and I knew because I got a phone call. I got a phone call from the local NAACP and, and, and the call said, hey, chief, uh, just want to let you know we're planning on marching and we want you to, uh, to attend our meeting. I was honored because they didn't have to call me. I, I did not. You know, it could have just happened. And, we, you know, we just been in a situation where we we had to react. So I go to this meeting. And uh, people are upset, you know, uh, tensions are high. And uh, and they said, well, Chief, what do you think? And I said, listen, I'm not here to tell y'all what to do. I'm here to help y'all uh, realize that, that we are going to protect everybody and keep everybody safe. We support you in your peaceful protest. I said, I have one, one thing that I just want to throw out there. And they said, what? I said, well, I would ask that whenever you decide to march, you don't do it at nighttime. And I said, only because... Sometimes people who don't want to do the right thing will blend in with everybody else and cause confusion. And we want to keep people safe. And they honored that request. But but Paul, we we and I remember um, we had a briefing, you know, uh, National Guard was there. State police was there. We had a briefing right before. And 
an officer, it was a it was an aha moment for me because an officer said, well, chief, I don't even understand why they're marching here because this didn't happen in our jurisdiction. And that was my aha moment because I felt like God put me there in that place at that time to answer that question. And, 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 I, and I said, my answer was, everyone has a right to peacefully protest. No, right. it, it didn't happen here. It didn't happen here. I said, but George Floyd was murdered in everybody's living room because of social media, because of news. We all saw it. And people are hurting like they have never hurt before. If you saw that and you didn't feel something, something's wrong. And I said, man, people, you know, people got to be able to express themselves and start the healing process. And that is why it's happening here. And Paul, I want you to know, we went out that day. We had about 5,000 people, not one bottle broke. It was a great demonstration of the community coming together, white, black, yellow, green, gay, straight, everybody marched together in harmony. And there was no drama, no negative drama. And and I told my son, I said, for me, that's something that'll never be written down any place. I don't have a plaque for that. I don't have a trophy for that. But for me, that was my greatest accomplishment because I did the work, you know, the old folks used to say you you prepare for war during the time of peace, right? That's what the old folks used to say around me. And I said, I, you know, I did the work, we did the work uh to build those relationships ahead of time. So when the tough times came, we could sit down at the table together and, and, and fellowship and somehow find a way to move forward. Well, I, I'm proud of you for that and a thousand other things that you've accomplished in your career. You have your son call me out telling him about a dozen other things that he ought to be very proud of you for. Uh, but, but I do say this, when you meet officers who don't understand how an incident like that can impact people across the nation, I try to turn that around and ask them, you know, if a police officer gets killed in another jurisdiction, it doesn't have to be in your backyard for that to impact you. Uh, it's because you identify with it. And this is what we've got to get better at, is understanding that we don't know everyone's story. And whatever tragedy or trauma that they identify with, whatever experience they identify with, our job is to get closer to them and help them partner through that progress. Yeah. And if we don't do that, then they feel isolated. They feel lonely. And of all the people in the world you cannot afford to feel lonely and isolated from, yeah. it's your protectors, your law enforcement, your police. Yeah. We've got to do better than everyone else. That's right. We, we have to do better. The standard has to be higher yeah. than everyone else. So the first thing we ought to do anytime there's any incident in this nation is reach out to our community and say, who's hurting, who needs healing, and how can I help? Yeah. Yeah. And I agree with that. I remember... You know, and, 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 you know, older folks would say all kind of things. They had a saying for everything or a slogan. And I remember, you know, the term, hey, if you just meet me halfway, we can we can make some things happen. But but what I've seen and you tell me if you see it differently, what I've seen over the past 10 years is that from a law enforcement industry standpoint. Law enforcement just reaching halfway isn't enough anymore. You know what I'm saying? Right. Because. People are pulling back, you know, due to whatever, what they see on the news, due to trust issues. I mean, people are pulling back. And so you're right. It It is up to uh, the law enforcement industry to, to to reach and engage and say, hey, we want to hear. Let us listen. We're going to be quiet. We're not going to tell you what we think you need, but we're going to, hey, how can we help? And we're going to listen. 
we're, we're the ones who took the oath. Mm -hmm. and, and the oath is to serve, right? Mm -hmm. So we have a contract with God uh, oh, to, to be serving. And you're right, halfway is not enough. In law enforcement, the calling is to meet them where the need is. And that's wherever it is. Mm -hmm. uh, that means you go to their homes, their churches, their community, their streets, uh, their schools. You go wherever your community is suffering and you be somebody that they can lean on. Mm. Halfway is not enough when it comes to law enforcement. I agree with you on that. Yeah, well, that's awesome. So can you share with us what you feel has been law enforcement's finest moment during your lifetime? But on the flip side, tell us about a time when you scratched your head and thought, what are we doing? Uh, you know, there's so, so many of each, if, to be honest. Um, those finest moments have happened throughout my career, usually on those little local levels, as you said, as you uh, hold some child and let them know it's going to be okay. Uh, I remember when they first started giving out teddy bears for us to give out and everybody put them in the trunk because they were thinking, who needs a teddy bear? Well, I became the teddy bear king because <laughs> I found out a lot of little people needed a teddy bear, small ones and, and, and grown-ups, yeah. right? Like every now and then, it's just a sign that I care. Those finest moments are happening across the, the nation. They don't make the news and they certainly aren't something we video and put on social media as much. But I am traveling and seeing uh, communities rally around their law enforcement. Right. Uh, it goes back to those uh, numbers we see, like with our Congress, where they have a 10 percent and 11 percent approval rating, except for when you talk about their congressman, when you talk about their individual, then all of a sudden they're getting voted in for 60% of the vote, right? Yeah. So all politics are local. Mm -hmm. And so is all law enforcement service, right? Like we can't do that on a national level. That's mm -hmm. got to be on the local level. And I love the places that I go and I see that they're not waiting on Washington to do mm -hmm. something for us. They're not looking at their state capital to clear mm -hmm. us out of a mess. And they're not turning toward their county councils or their uh, mayors and councils to try to get some guidance. They're taking action today. They're tasking right. their people to do it. And I see that all over the nation. That's where I'm most proud is they're empowering and inspiring their people to jump out and do it on a local level. Now, the things that cause me to scratch my head aren't also necessarily the, the things that you see uh, that go viral. It's when I'm watching organizations miss those opportunities mm. that I go into a community where there seems to be large division or I go mm. in the communities where there seems to be uh, a disconnect from the public and everybody's just sitting around in the squad room waiting for mm. someone to dial 911 and then we're mm. going to go out and try to clean up the mess. Well, by the time someone dials 911, that's the sign that we waited too long. We, we, we can be in that community and start giving out our names and having them call on us personally. Uh, we shouldn't be nameless and faceless, yeah. right, in, in our communities. We got to go out and build those partnerships early on. Causes me to scratch my head when we're still missing it, yeah. when people are still riding around at 45 miles an hour with the wind up, listening to the radio and the air blasting in their face, and they call that patrol, right? That's not That's patrol. Right. That's right. That's right. Patrol is a, a interactive. Yeah. If you are not engaging with someone, you're not on patrol. You're, you're riding around. That's right. That's right. And, and we got to get that attitude right and get out of those communities. Because I do, I tell you this, something I'm very proud of uh, in the world, in our communities, mm -hmm. is you can name the absolute worst community in the world that you think you believe is really lost. There's good people there Absolutely. scratching and clawing, trying to make things better for their family, 
just like you and I try to scratch and claw and make things better for our families. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome, man. Uh, if you could speak to all leaders across the world, you, you, you got them. It, it's, it's like uh super bowl Sunday and you got the mic in your hand, right? You can speak to all leaders across the world right now at one time. And you had two minutes to tell them anything you wanted to anything. What would you say? Well, I would uh, remind them that leadership is not a position. It, it's got to be a passion. And people are going to recognize what you're passionate about. They're going to remember. And if you're passionate about policy and procedure and all that, they'll remember that one day. But if you really want to be a leader, if you really want to make a difference, you have to be passionate about people. Now, some of them are passionate about their own people and they spend all their time trying to get their pay up and get their resources up. And that might be respected. Uh, that is 100 uh, uh, 100% legitimate in, in some areas. But let me tell you what you will be most satisfied with and gratified with in your life is if you're remembered for being passionate about people who needed you and had no authority over you to make you do it. And that is the people inside of that agency, yeah. the ones outside of that organization. And as you pointed out early on, it's not just our community leaders and not just our business leaders that we need to be showing some attention to. Yeah. It's actually how we treat the least among us. I'm telling you, you're right, man. You're right. That we're going to be remembered for. And one day, I happen to be a man of faith that believes we're all going to have to answer for it. Mm -hmm. And I believe that what I'd be most proud to tell it and how I took care of the big shots. Mm -hmm. It became how I tried to make sure I took care of everyone who wouldn't have had a voice had they not met me. Yeah. Yeah. I tell you, man, you know, once you, you figure out what service really is, you know, and I know, I know, you know, we're both believers. It, it's almost like, it's almost like, having that revelation that, hey, Jesus did die for me. You know what I'm saying? Amen. Once you figure out what service is, because I remember, I, and I'm not ashamed to tell anybody, I got in law enforcement in 1997 after I got out of the Army, and I didn't understand what service was. You know, uh, I was fresh out of the Army. I had my uniform on. My uniform was tight on me, and I was good, and it was writing tickets and locking up the bad guys. To me, I, I felt like I was serving. I was doing my job. And time went on. And I started seeing these nasty little cycles, you know, negative interactions with the community, with dad, and, and, and a couple of years later with maybe a son. And then, you know, just a nasty cycle of stuff. And I'm like, you know what? Something's wrong. And I remember having a conversation with the sheriff saying, you know what? We're, we're not doing enough. We're not doing enough, you know? And he said, what do you mean? I said, but we need to find a way to serve, you know, whether we start with the young people, we need to do more. And I, I really figured out what service was. And I remember, uh, you know, I was chief and, and I, I can't, I, I have to speak on this because it goes back to service. Um, and we had, a, we had a horrible situation where a, uh, we responded to a infant that, that was dead. And of course we had to, we had to investigate it. And uh, we, you know, we investigated the entire situation and, and, and found out that it was an accident. Mom tragically rolled over on the baby when they, you know, at night, horrible situation. A couple of months later, Paul, we we get a 911 call and it's a domestic at the same residence, right? 
So officers go back and, 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 you know, it's not physical, but it's loud enough to where the neighbors get involved and they call the police. And the, the origin of the problem was the fact that this family, the mom and the dad didn't have enough money to pay for a headstone mm. grave. Right. And so my officers came back and they and we talked about it, man. And, and, and long story short, we raised the money. We raised money to get a headstone. We worked with local businesses. We worked with the funeral home. And I will never, ever forget the look on mom's face when we called her in. We had it, you know, we rolled it in, had it in our conference room, and, and we brought her in. And I'm telling you, if two people, if somebody went on either side, she would have just fainted and, and fell straight to the floor. Her knees got weak and she just got emotional. But, you know, when she processed it, she was just, you know, I get emotional talking about it, man, but I, I, I share that because you get to a point where you finally understand that it's about being a part of something that's bigger than you. You know what I'm saying? And and, and service, man, is, is gosh, uh, you know, I tell people when I leave, when I'm done, I don't want to have a half a tank of gas or a quarter tank of gas left. I want to be on E, you know what I'm saying? Or, or have right. me pushing me through, you know, cross the finish line, man. I, I really want to do my part. And that's what I love about you. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and the thing I love about you is you don't talk about it. You just do it. You don't talk about it. You just do it. And, and I love that about Paul Butler. Well, I, I got from advice early on, and, and I would say this it, it, for the folks out there listening, if you really want to improve your leadership uh, your partnership, your friendship in life, or, or any of your relationships. Uh, when I was first uh, appointed chief deputy of Horry County, Judge Kenny Ward, he was the judge up in Ainer, and he was a great man, a great leader for me. I mean, he gave a lot of wisdom that I didn't have at the time. And he called me, he got with me immediately, and we sat together, and he said, congratulations. He said, that's a huge honor and a huge position. And he said, now you got to think about what you're going to do with it. And I, I never really thought about what I'm going to do with it, right? You only think about getting it. And I said, what do you mean, Judge? And he said, well, anytime you have power, he said, this is a powerful position. And he said, and anytime you have power, you're going to find out that a lot of people come to you for help. He said, a lot of big shots are going to want you. And a lot of little people are going to need you. Mm. He said, the temptation is going to be to take care of the big shots first. He said, but what I need you to remember is the big shots don't need you. They can take care of themselves. He said, the little people need you. Mm. He said, take care of them first. He said, because that is the only decision you can make that both groups can respect. The that. big shots even appreciate someone who takes care of the little people. He said, yeah. the little people love it. And in my legacy, the only thing when you ask if my children say, what are you most proud of? You're right. It's no position I've ever held. Yeah. It's the fact that today, some of those same folks who were considered little people yeah. will still reach out to me or talk to my family about me or still call on me for help. I tell them sometimes. Yeah. I've retired. And you know what they say? Oh, yeah, I know you don't work there anymore, but I know you help people. I know you still do that. Right. And that is all I want ever to be remembered is somebody who used my time, my energy, yeah. my talent and my power yeah. to help someone other than myself. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's awesome. You know, my dad, uh, he passed away, but he would always say uh, he would just talk um, and then he'd say, hey, at the end of the day, because you just said it, you you said it differently than he would say, but you said the same thing. He said, at the end of the day, all I want to hear is well done. 
that true and faithful servant. Amen. <laughs> he would say it, man. He would say it. But Paul, man, I really appreciate you, man. I know you're busy. I know you're traveling the world, but man, you took time for little old me. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and, 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 and I'm just so humbled, man. I, I feel special. And, and I really, I really appreciate you taking some time uh, just to just to talk to me and the listening audience and uh, about leadership, about leadership. I really appreciate it. You're one of those big shots in my world. And I appreciate the way you use your platform to lift everyone up. You give everyone a chance to to kind of drink from the fountain. And I appreciate you being letting me be a little part of that water today. Awesome. Awesome. So, so let me ask you this. For the folks out there who want to, uh, you know, find you, utilize your service, learn about more about what you do, how can they contact you to get Paul Butler at their organization or, or helping or, or just to find out more about you and, and your leadership? I love that. I thank you for giving me that opportunity because mm-hmm. I am proud of the business that I have, traveling and training, speaking to people uh, on all subjects, on all levels. It's not just for leadership, it's for teamwork. And uh, if anyone would like to reach out to me to follow up on this conversation or to start a new conversation, uh, all they have to do is check www.paul-butler.com, P-A-U-L- B-U-T-L-E-R.com. I'd be uh I'd love to hear from them and I'd love to to make some new friends out there. Awesome. Awesome. And thanks again so much. And thank everybody for listening. Uh you've listened to another episode of Safe Conversation with Kevin Waits, where we really unpack our bags and try to move forward together. And I'll see you next time. Peace. The Safe Conversations with Kevin Waits podcast is hosted and produced by Kevin Waits, executive producer Ken Johnson. Find the Safe Conversations with Kevin Waits podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, Odyssey, Amazon Music, or where you get your podcasts. Find Kevin Waits on Facebook at Kevin Waits and join the Safe Conversations group. Follow the Mino Line Media Podcast Network on IG at Mino Line Media. Get the Mino Line Media app in the App Store or Google Play. The Safe Conversations with Kevin Waits podcast is a Mean Old Line Media production. You've worked hard for what you have your money, your assets, your 401k, and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com aware. Terms apply.